what we found out reconciliation yesterday uh, pointed to the blood. Amen. Yes. The shedding of blood, the sacrifice of blood uh, spoke reconciliation. And <clears throat> so the word reconcile really means to cover, to purge and atone. It means to cut, coat or cover with pitch. So God was able to reconcile Noah and his family. Amen. In the covering of the, the ark with pitch. Uh, that's kind of interesting because that boat didn't have to stay afloat. Except they obeyed God's orders in how to build it. And so I'm thinking if, if we do the same thing, we'll build a, a, a sturdy lifestyle. We'll, we'll build a sturdy life that God can um, uh, approve of. He can bless. Bless everything we do. You know, I remember being a sinner and being uncertain. And is this going to work out? Is this going to be okay? If I do this, am I going to succeed? There was always a question of whether or not you would have success or whether or not it would work for you, whether or not it would wind up putting you in a happy spot. But now I couldn't couldn't remember the last time I had a doubt about something, the outcome of my life. Amen? Because then, you know, if if you're not certain, you know, all you can say, well, God, your word says you're going to work it out for the good anyway. Amen? He works everything out for the good. Things that we thought were so tragic, we never get over. He works them out for the good. Amen? You find good in everything. Only God can do that. Amen? He's the only one who can guarantee that it'll work together for your good. Everything. So there's no tragedies, really. I mean, I know there are things that hurt us, that bring us heartbreak and, uh, you know, temporary, I would say, discouragement or disappointment. But he works that out even for our good. Amen. Things we think are not going to change or not change very quickly. Or by the time they change, see what I'm saying? It'll be over for me as far as the good I thought I would see coming into my life. But he's able to work it out for your good anyway. So so look out for good. Keep your eyes preened for good. You know, have that keen sense of observation in the things of God and, and know that there's good coming to you. Amen. There's good coming to us anyhow. Amen. In spite of, because of, on top of, <laughs> not because of. Amen. It's just good. He's good. So when he shows up in your life, it is all good. Amen. So God is wonderful and his mercy endures forever. And ever, and ever, and ever, and ever. So we, we serve a good God. I was uh, given some, some good news. I was, uh, um, thinking about it, how God, uh, every time you turn around blessings. Amen. Uh, we had a house donated to us. Many of, most of you realize that. And uh, it, that was my personal project to get that accomplished so that we could get it sold and raise money for the church. And um, we found out, we had an inspection and found out there were some things that were uh, listed on there as violations by the city. And um, I looked over the list and I thought to myself, I said, I think we got this done already. And, and it worked out that there was a gentleman that I had 
um, in fact, he had, he had come by my house and I know it was God because I had some siding missing on my house and, um, he, he said he, he stopped by, he said, he said, I've been passing by your house for six months. He said, and I finally got a nerve to stop by. He said, I do this sometimes. He said, I don't want to put you under any pressure and insult you, but you have some siding missing. Do you want that, want that replaced? I said, what took you so long? I said, I've been praying about this for next time. Be quick about it, young man. <laughs> and we'll both be happier. But but that started the relationship. And so that whenever I need exterior, he's strictly exterior. But when we started doing this house, the one guy I had up and left one day, and I just asked him, I said, if you're not busy, would you mind going to a house I have on the east side to do some interior work? While he was there, he found some things for as an exterior person that he thought needed attention. And he fix those things. And so when I went over the list that the city had of violations, every single thing was checked off. He had taken care of it. I mean, down to the letter. Like, for instance, there was some some mortar that was put in the chimney that was not correct mortar. On the on the inspection, it says uh, mortar, he said, uh, Subgrade mortar in chimney needs to be removed and replaced with proper grade. And on his um, work order that he filled out for me, he said, we'll replace subgrade mortar, mortar from chimney with acceptable grade mortar. I mean, down to the very letter, God takes care of things. Hey, I like this guy. Amen. So he doesn't want us to be concerned or worry about anything, folks. I mean, down to the letter, even using the same language so that people could see, you know, that 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 was God gave that attention before you even knew it needed attention. You see what I'm saying? And so I I like to be involved in God's miracle work and power. Amen. So, Father, we thank you. We ask you to come in and, and be present with us in this meeting, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we give you glory for all the things that you do. We honor you. We love you. We bless you. and We praise you. Father, speak to the hearts of the people who are with us on the Internet. Father, I thank you for those people who are gathered together to hear your word. This is your word, Father. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen, 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 amen. So so God is the great reconciler, see? If, if the greatest thing he's ever done for me was forgive me, amen? The, the greatest thing, because that started me on a whole new life. That gave me a whole new life to live and not have to be concerned about fixing up my old life which most of you will admit was a wreck, even in the best of circumstances. Amen. And you would still be a wreck looking for a place to happen if it weren't for the mercy of God. And so I'm just ever, ever thankful for, for the things that he has done for me and continues to do for me um, as I get older and less able to get up and move this and, and do that and well, I say I'm able, but not as willing. Ain't a whole lot I just jump up and do no more. 
you know, I think long and hard and plan and see what what God has in store for me. I said, why didn't I think of doing stuff this way years ago? You understand what I'm saying? But, but, you know, I mean, life is like that. When you, um, uh, the older you get, the wiser you get. You say, boy, if I had had this wisdom when I was young, I would have saved myself a lot of trouble. But uh, thank God you get it when you get it. Amen. Uh, they're old people that don't have wisdom. You know what I'm saying? So we, we are thankful we get it when we get it. So, so we said that Jesus through reconciliation brought us into a family. That's, we were, God created us as family. Amen. Created man and, and the woman in his image, in his likeness, for his purpose. So that's family. When, when, uh, men and women meet and get married and they plan their children, they, they plan for their purpose. We want children so we can raise them and love them and, you know, all those things and make them good citizens and, Christians, whatever else you have in mind, you have a plan in mind when you plan a family. And God had a plan in mind when he planned us. That was interrupted through disobedience, but through redemption we're brought back to him. Through reconciliation we're brought back. And I think that's the overarching point we want to make today, is that God brought us back in a family relationship. He is the Father. Jesus is his firstborn son, that he, or only begotten son, that, that, uh, he sacrificed in order to bring many sons and daughters back to him. So we're being brought back to God, you know, uh, to right relationship with God. We're not just saved so that God can do stuff for us and we can live a, a, a good life um, of blessings and benefits outside of relationship. And see, the carnal man doesn't think like that. He doesn't think relationship right off the bat. He thinks what's in it for me. What do I have to do to get it? When I get it, can I do what I want to do with it? Or do I have to give some of it back to God? I mean, we're always thinking, your carnal mind's always thinking selfish. And so really, the, the, the benefit of the new birth and to be indwelt by God's Spirit is to transform us into the family members that God wants us to be. See, it's the renewing of our minds that transforms us into the kind of people that God desires that we be. You can live carefree as long as you don't get entangled with sin again. You can live uh, above the level that you're accustomed to living if you don't get involved with selfishness. If you're not just looking out for you all the time, if you can spare yourself of looking out for you and let God look out for you. See, when we forgive, the first thing we want to find out is if I do this, are they getting away with something? That's what keeps most of us in unforgiveness is what's the other guy getting away with? 
Well, if you really trust God and trust that God, if you obey God, he will take care of you, then you're able to drop the charges against the offending person. And many times we don't look at the great forgiveness that God has given us when we think about forgiving others. But that, that is, is the, the, the message. Give, forgive as you have been forgiven. You forgive as the Father has forgiven you. So your forgiveness of others should include that thought that you've been forgiven. But many times people look at our forgiveness separate from God's. See, we cut him off. We cut off his forgiveness to us. And then we're in charge of whether we'll be the bigger person or whether we'll just let him off the hook or whether we'll, you understand? Or be a doormat, you see. See, if you cut God out of the forgiveness cycle, then you miss out on the reason you forgive, why you are empowered to forgive. How did you get the power to forgive in the first place? It was forgiven you. See, you have a deposit of eternal forgiveness on the inside of you. And God expects you to freely give that out to others so he can bless you, he can touch them, they can know what it's like to be forgiven, huh? they can know what it's like to be pardoned. The worst thing in the world is for a person to go through life being responsible for their sin. That's not even a life worth living. You see, people don't want to mention certain subjects because they're sensitive. Or they can't talk about that. And uh, it's, it's because there's sin still involved in it that's on their soul. And they don't want to have that brought up because they don't know what to do once it comes up. They feel just as guilty as they did the last time it was brought up. And that's why a lot of times people don't want to address certain things. You've been in a household with people like that or around relatives, you know. If, if you've got alcoholics in the family, they don't want you to bring up that they drink too much. Huh? you got to go get 12 people and do an intervention to even talk to some people. Come on now. And the reason is that there's no forgiveness and there's no blood atonement. There's no reconciliation involved there. See, if we can preach the gospel at AA meetings and get alcoholics to realize they're forgiven for all the wrong stuff they've done, they, they'd run to Christ. They'd run to, to being free. They'd quit drinking. Because they know there's freedom for them. Somebody has finally understood their plight and has let them out of the jail, the prison of their minds and their souls. And so this is why we have this ministry of reconciliation. We can offer Christ to people. We can offer a new life with a living Savior who actually lives in you now. And he will put your mind on something else when you have the temptation to drink. He will put your mind on good things when you start feeling guilty about all the family members that you've ripped off, you've robbed, you've cussed out, you beat up. See, this is true reconciliation. It starts with the forgiveness of sins. 
if the alcoholic's never forgiven and never knows he's forgiven, he's going to continue to drink out of guilt. He wakes up the next morning and his mind flashes on what he did the night before and he can't wait to get another drink. Amen. And so once you understand the power of the forgiveness of sins through the atonement and reconciliation, then you'll be more inclined to take advantage of that. You'll be more inclined to forgive people. You be Henry Groover, our friend of prayer walker, that was the revelation God gave him was the remittance of sins through the reconciliation of Christ. And he walked all over the world breaking witchcraft strongholds, breaking Buddhist strongholds by getting before these temples and say, God, I forgive these people for erecting a temple to a false God. And we pull this down. We pull down the influence and the power. Over and over and over again, he saw cities change. There was an island in um, in Japan. Japan's a group of islands. There's like thousands of islands in Japan. There was an island there that was inhabited by snakes. And humans couldn't even live there anymore. Well, God told Henry to walk there. And as he walked, he wasn't, you know, this thing, prayer walking, these other people that have started is fake. They don't do any remission of sins. They just walk around and pray. If they pray. That's why nobody's doing it anymore. Because there was no power to it. And so he, but Henry would get together groups of people and disciple them and teach them how to effectively prayer walk. And so when he went over to the island, he said the only person that would go over there with him was his son. And so and his son's a missionary. Uh, his son, he said his son, when they would, his son would come and visit him sometime and come home. And he said, he would ask Henry, he said, have you got a razor blade, dad? And Henry said, what do you need a razor blade for? He said, I just got to remove some worms from my toes that got stuck in there. What he said, oh, it's nothing, dad. It's just some. You know, it, he's, I mean, this is his fruit of his ministry. (laughs) He walks out with worms that, you know, have infested his feet. He just digs them out and it keeps going. You know what I'm saying? So, so, you know, I say that to say he was up to the task. See, if you're going to go and fight snakes, you take somebody who don't care about worms in their feet, you know, and not afraid of worms to get in their feet. But they go over and there was one man there who lived on that island. He said his family made him live there for I don't know what reason. But anyway, he was Henry's guide as they he went there and he destroyed all the um, sites of ritual worship that the the worshipers have come over and set up. And Henry tore them down one after the other after the other always remitting their sins, forgiving those people, and asking God to set up an altar to Christ in that place. See, you can't tear down without building. You can't remove something without replacing it. And you can do it through reconciliation through the blood. Amen? And he said that some years later, he had a chance to go visit the island. He said, 
he could, when he first went over there, he had to take a boat because there were no bridges anymore from one island to the next. And he said it was, it was overgrown with a lot of thick, uh, weeds, brush, vines, and all kinds of stuff. And he said he went back some, I don't know if it was even as many as 10 years later. It was maybe less than that. And they had started building bridges over to that island now. And it, there were vegetable gardens over there. <coughs> Excuse me. And people were starting to inhabit the island again. Through forgiveness, folks. Through forgiveness. Snakes will leave an island. And people can start to live there again. Do you understand what I'm saying? And see, why would you and I withhold that? Let's just pause there for a minute and see, La. You understand? Why would you withhold that? Like Jesus told Peter, you have no no idea what manner of spirit you are of. Come on now. You know, you, we sit up and we judge and we think and we and waste a whole lot of time in petty carnal nonsense when we can be revolutionizing the world <clears throat> with forgiveness and reconciliation leading people let them let them pass through the blood so that they can be forgiven so that they can have a new life so that they can be people never get better with grudge holding People never get better. That's just a, 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 a cheap form of witchcraft because you don't get a whole lot out of it. But condemnation on yourself. So let us be those people, folks. Let's lead the charge in forgiving. Let's lead the charge in reconciliation. That's the ministry we've been given, folks. See, the early church understood that. They understood the power of forgiveness, the power of the blood, the power of unity. They had such a spirit of cooperation with God and unity and love and not preferring one another, humbling one another to humbling themselves to one another. That somebody lied on their offering and dropped dead. In fact, two people did. It's powerful. Don't ever take anything God did for cheap, for granted, for not important. It's all very powerful. Amen. From the dotting of the I's to the crossing of the T's is all power in God's word. So reconciliation cancels the carnal thinking, carnal power. And replaces it with love. God shed his blood from the beginning. Throughout eternity. His shed blood is calling men back to himself. To be adopted. Not just forgiven. But adopted. Amen. We're adopted by God. Into a spiritual family. You ever ever notice. You can go to. Say if God tells you to go. I'm not going to say you can go anywhere. But God tells you to go to a meeting somewhere. And people greet you like family. Nobody's eyeballing you and forcing you to into a corner with, with stares and acting ugly. 
I'm talking about a place God sends you. I'm not talking about some place you just get up and go. Because we've all been through those experiences. It's called religion. You don't go back anymore. Amen. If somebody's eyeballs are strong enough to pin you to the wall, you know what I'm talking about. You stay away from there. But, but evidence of us being a spiritual family is all around us. Amen. You can talk to people about the Lord. You can commune about God. When I say talk, I mean fellowship. I'm not talking about arguing with anybody or trying to be smarter than anybody or lord it all over anybody, but humbling yourself to that person and just allowing Christ to flow between the two of you. Amen? And so that's what he's adopted us into, that holy family, where you know you've got people on this earth somewhere who love you and care about you. You've got to know that in life. It keeps you from being estranged. It keeps you from being cut off. It keeps you from from feeling the the pressures of hell against your life. See that flow of of spiritual force between believers keeps us understanding that we have been adopted. See, you have the spirit of adoption where you call God Father, but are there any more of us out here? <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like when you first get saved, and you it's such a new experience to you, you wonder, you mean was this here all along? How where did this come from? I'm just in a whole new realm of living, and then you wonder, who else knows? Who else is out here? Huh? Like the the old uh what was that show uh alien, the truth is out there somewhere, whoever that people were, yeah, they're out there somewhere. And so then God will begin to introduce you to your brothers and your sisters, huh? to your family. He'll begin to show you which family members to connect with and how to connect to them. Amen? All of that stuff. Never get in strife with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, avoid that stuff. Now, we can all try to be smarter than everybody else or know more than the next person. That's cheap. See, you did that in the world. Amen. You know, the minute you get something new, you jump on Facebook and show everybody. Tell on yourself. Of course, I tell on myself. I show them food all the time, so. (laughs) I'm working on it, all right? But, you know, you give yourself away. Amen. You give yourself away. Think about if we respected God's fatherhood over us and his rules about privacy. You know, he set up rules for us to live by and what to tell your brothers and sisters about your experiences with him and what not to tell. You know how sometimes parents, you know, they'll, you know how parents nowadays, I think, have each child, if you've got, you know, several children, you have a special day with each one where they feel they're the only ones who get attention for that day. And nobody else knows what you did. And nobody else knows what went on. It's just special between the two of you. 
Well, God set that up for us. He says, when you do your prayer and fasting, do it in secret. Shh, don't tell nobody, but it's just between me and you. And I'll reward you openly. And then they'll look at you and wonder, how did she get that? But if we go and blast it every time we get something, look what the Lord has done. And then God looks down and says, I would like to do more for you, but I can't do it because you keep blasting everything I give you out of turn. See, even when you have a legitimate testimony, he has opened the door. He has to give you grace to share the testimony. Amen? It's a grace you to put those words out there. Sometimes he lets you do it. Sometimes he doesn't. He said, no, let's just keep this one between me and you right now. Amen? And so it's it's a a father-child relationship where there's real stuff that goes on between you and God. You talk to him about it. You tell him what's going on. And he tells you what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. Sometimes it is for revealing everything. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes there's certain groups of people that he wants you to share these things with. See, this is part of your relationship with, with Father. Amen? Where he begins to, he said, I want your good works to glorify me. So the way I do that is I got to be in charge of the things you say about your relationship with me. Amen? And so these are, it's good to know you're in a family like that. Where your words won't, won't hurt you, your words won't, he'll cover what you say. See? That word of covering again. Blood bought words. Blood secured words. Words that, that speak better things when they're done in season and in the right way. And so once we understand that that we have family relationship with God the Father, His Son Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, then we're able to live that successful life He wants us to live. That no-fail life. We have a life that is always good and always prosperous, always joyful, all of those things, because He's provided it for us. So adoption is a spirit that calls us to God and indwells us to give us a permanent father-child relationship with God. And and it's good to keep in mind that he sees you as his child and you don't have to be real smart, be real mature, be real... You, you see, because... Once you, you'll start learning things about God and you'll start learning things about the word and you'll get the impression somehow that God's testing you to see if you studied the word enough. You you ever feel like that? Like, I can't just ask God anything. I mean, he's expecting me to know certain stuff. He's expecting me to do, and, and that's right and that's good, but still you don't know as much as he does. And you can't tell. So you still have to humble yourself to him like a little child. So he's not, I've found at times when I thought God was, was expecting the most of me, he expected very little. 
because I had very little to offer. I'm like, God, I'm doing everything the book says I'm supposed to do. I'm trying to write, do this right. I'm trying to, and it ain't working. And sometimes he just tells you, just come to me and tell me what you need. Let's just start all over again because you can get all wound up in your, uh, you know, your confession, your anointing, your status, your this and your that. You're too wound up, Barb. Let me come over here and let me just unwind you. Huh? And take all this stuff, put all them little toys away. You know, they might as well be toys. We grab them. You grab your confession and throw it out there like you really believe what you say and you ain't believing nothing. You don't know why you ain't believing it right now. But it ain't working. Sometimes we need to have patience with ourselves. Huh? You're the biggest patient. patience is going to work on in your life. Just be patient with yourself and say, God, give me enough to do for just for today. Let me quit borrowing off of tomorrow, wanting it to be over with so quick. You know how it is when we start out believing God for something we wanted yesterday because the last time I asked him for something, it was three months before it came and it my eyeballs was red. My hair was falling out. I was foaming at the mouth by the time I got it. I don't want to go through that no more. And he didn't want you to either. <laughs> That's not the way he sees us. He sees us as living off the fruit of the Spirit while he's working on it. Why don't we let him work on something for a change? I can remember times when I was discouraged, wound up, and that and God would say to me, if you would let me have it. And I say, who is that talking to me like that? I rebuke thee, Satan. I ain't giving you nothing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're so wound up and we got to do everything. When God does show up to, uh, for us to release it to him, we fight him. Huh? It's like trying to rescue a drowning person. You know, they tell you sometimes you got to knock them unconscious to get them out the water. They'll fight you, the rescuer. And so God always comes to us as a loving father. He understands everything that we're going through. He understands we need stuff. He understands we feel small against such big problems. We have a real relationship with him as our father. You know, parents, if your child is sick, you, you, oh God, I wish I could change, exchange places with him. That's a common thought with parents. You don't want to see your children suffer. Amen. And, and, and so God is, that's why he sent his son. He didn't want us to suffer. He died in our place to spare us. He'll spare us even our own self-torment that we put ourselves through every time we need something from God. Amen. We set out to torture ourselves. Oh, Lord, how long is it going to take? Oh, Lord, this. Oh, Lord, that. And he's teaching us how to enjoy him as our father while we're waiting for him, while we know he's working on stuff. You've got to know God is working on it. From the day you pray, 
It's in the works. From the day you pray. So all you have to do is just go somewhere and be cool. And don't mess it up. And don't mess yourself up. And by the time God brings it to you, you just a little nerve sitting in a corner fighting everything off. He wants you to be peaceful while he works it out. Amen. He wants you to be that way. He wants you to be so peaceful people think you don't want it anymore. They think you don't care anymore. Because the devil will send people to you to ask you about it. (laughs) But God. Amen. So he is our heavenly father. Amen. Our spirits are already adopted even while our bodies are are grounded on earth. So you have this twofold business going on on the inside of you. And the flesh will war against the spirit, but your spirit's stronger. Your spirit will wear, uh, win out if you continue to feed your spirit. And that's how you win that war. You just convince your flesh that it's not dominating and your spirit dominates, and you're able to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. Amen? And so your success is guaranteed, because not because of your great faith or anything, but because you have an inheritance. This is why it's guaranteed. It's already given to you. The devil comes along to try and convince you that it's not given to you, that you don't have it yet. That's why he's called a thief, because he is. And his stuff works, so don't underestimate him. So just stay in the word where it's safe, amen? Just crawl up in your little Bible and don't come out for nobody, amen? Stay up in there, stay in the word. Keep meditating and focusing, amen? In Romans 8.15, it says in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Led by, not just born again, but led by the Spirit of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So instead of fear, you have received a spirit of adoption. So every time fear tries to creep into your life, you need to cry, Father. Father, amen, instead of meditating on what the devil says he's going to take away from you, amen, just say, Father, look at what the enemy's trying to do to me. Father, rescue me. Give me a word. Give me encouragement. Give me what I need for this day, amen, and he will give it to you. He said, ask anything. And people tell you, well, you shouldn't ask for this, and you said, no, I don't know what kind of daddy you got. But mine said, ask anything. Because he knows I'm just dust. He knows I'm, you know, some days I don't even want to roll out the bed too fast. Amen. <laughs> you ain't sure about the boogeyman on the other side of the door. This is true. Well, like, come on now. <laughs> Let's do this right. But he said, you cry, Father, instead of giving in to fear. He said, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that you're children of God. 
So you got the greatest validation of your adoption on the inside of you. He lets you know. He gives you peace. When you cry out to God, God answers by the Holy Spirit. So he bears witness with your spirit that you're a son of God. This is why it's, it's kind of frutal to go around trying to prove to people who you are when they want to challenge you. Amen? Trying to say you're not this and say you're not that. Huh? Your father knows who you are. And he's the only one you want to try and impress. We impress people for. <laughs> people don't have half a brain half the time and want to pick you apart all the time. Come on now. Don't let yourself be evaluated by people who don't have a right measuring stick. Amen. They got to say, brother, if you find fault with me, you better get the beam out your own eye first. <laughs> Amen. That puts you back in your word real fast. Amen. So Jesus always pointed the way to the Father. Amen. Through Through his anointing through his ministry, through his preaching, everything was geared toward inviting people back to the Father through remission of sins. John the Baptist was the first began to preach, and he would tell people, you know, people would, would say things like, and you know, God showed me this many years ago when I would pray for people to be born again. And I would would sense that there was something they needed to confess. And God would lead me to ask them, you know, is there something you know in your life that God doesn't approve of? Why do we ask God to forgive you of that right now? And and in 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 no time they confess, they say, Yes, let me and get it in the uh, the power of God would fall on those people and rest on them, reassuring them that God approved, that they were forgiven and God approved of that confession. You understand what I'm saying? And so do a complete job, in other words, first. Don't, just don't give somebody a get-out-of-jail-free card. And you don't have any authority to issue such a thing. Amen? You're there to reconcile them to God. Well, some of you believe it. I don't care. It's true anyway. It's a good way to get saved. I'm telling you. It's the best way. Am I right, Miss Jan? That's right. <laughs> Amen. So Jesus <clears throat> talked to them about their father who was in heaven. Amen. When he would preach, let me go to Matthew chapter 5 and start there. This is all about reconciliation of relationship of people, sinners. To their father who wants them back. Amen. Father who is in heaven. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. We'll go to Matthew chapter 5. So many things that Jesus did were blessings from heaven, from the Father God to people. The compassion that he showed them to alleviate their suffering. That's a father-child thing. Amen. That's something a father would do for his children who weren't able to do that for themselves. And so in Matthew chapter 5, it says, verse 1, they came over 
unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. Eh, we'll skip him. We'll get to the, <laughs> to the good stuff. Amen. So the demo, oh, I'm sorry. That's on Mark. Matthew chapter five. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Say verse five, verse one, seeing the multitudes, he went up to a mountain and when he was set, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying these kinds of things. Amen. Blessed are the poor. In other words, this is a good thing. Amen. Where in the natural realm, poor, amen, is not good. And so when you think about God's kingdom, the kingdom that Satan said here on the earth, the visible kingdom, is really the inverse of God's kingdom. In other words, Satan puts the reward up front in the obedience later. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, grab and get what you can get first and then pay for it later. For instance, if if you know poor is bad, instead of looking to God to eliminate that and understanding the blessing that there is there, because in many ways your condition opens you up to the need for God. So when Jesus says, blessed are the poor, what he's saying is, if you are poor, he says, you're really poor in spirit. You're not poor in material things. Because he says, if you recognize your poverty as a spiritual condition, then it is a blessing in it for you because you have an answer coming from God. So whenever he talked about these things, he talked it in the reverse of where the enemy would try and, and promote himself through these things. You know, you're blessed if you're rich. You're blessed if you this. Well, no, you got to recognize first your condition. You got to recognize your condition without God. Now, when we we as believers claim the blessings of God, it's based on our covenant relationship with Him. Shoot, you can't go around and claim millionaire status just because you're born again. You can't go around claiming all kinds of things just because you you are asking God or believing God for them. These things have to be given to you. There's God in heaven who owns everything that, that gives these things out. So you've got to recognize that you need him for everything that you're expecting him to get. you got to have right relationship with him. you got to have a right heart. you got to have right words. you got to have right patience, word and season, all that kind of stuff. And then you got to realize, too, on the other hand, you don't take none of this stuff with you. So how important are you going to make it? Well, I don't know. I don't want to put a damper on nobody's party, but. See, there's a balance there. And I recognize fully that there are people that have a zeal inside of them for certain things that bring them great wealth while they're on here in the earth. But uh who was it passed away at one of those um um Steve Jobs I think it was. What's he Apple or Apple? 
He said the most expensive bed in on in the universe is a sick bed. Because it robs you of everything. Not just money, it robs you time, energy, energy you could spend with loved ones, all that kind of stuff. He says very expensive. So here was a man who was a multi-billionaire saying that sickness was more costly in his life than anything else that he'd ever confronted. And Jesus heals the sick. See, all of that without Christ is meaningless. It's it's not worth anything. So Jesus says here, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if you know you're spiritually bankrupt, you're in good shape to cry out to the Father and get a remedy for your situation. Amen? The kingdom belongs to the ones who recognize they're nothing without God. They need God's help, the poor in spirit. He said, blessed are they that mourn, they shall be comforted. So God won't leave you. You know, there have been people that have suffered horrendous losses, family losses. And God eventually heals them and raises them up in new joy and new everything where people say, oh, if that happened to me, I don't know what would happen to me. Thank God it didn't. But for the people that it does happen to, God has a remedy for them. He has his healing power. He has his spirit. He has his his relationship as a father. Amen? He said, blessed are the merciful. They shall obtain mercy. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. The pure in heart will see God. You'll always have, you have a relationship with your father. If your heart is like his, you shut the door if you harbor ill will or you nurse uh, situations, bad situations in your life. You always think about them, always nursing them. Won't let God have them so he can heal you and help you. Amen. And so so there's a, a something there that God is after. He's after these roadblocks to relationship with him. He wants us to have a better life. And it happens when we allow him to purify our hearts. Didn't he promise that in the Old Testament? He said, I give you a new heart, a new spirit. Circumcise that hard heart. Get rid of that hard heart and put a heart of flesh in there. And I can begin to guide you through that new spirit that lives in you. Amen. It's a good thing. He tells us, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute it, you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Now, most of us get it because we done done some. In fact, the first thing we think is, what did I do to? Or then we jump to the, de- I didn't do nothing to nobody. I don't know why they acted like that. I never, t- I never see anything mean to them. I treat them nice all the time. <laughs> Uh, you're trying to be your own lawyer and you ain't even in the right court. You don't even know the devil is the one that's got you in court with old accusations, old charges. Uh, the charges they didn't, but God burnt the books on them so long ago and the devil will go and drum them up and get you to think they're valid. And there you go to talking, trying to clear yourself again. Amen. There are a lot of people you won't do anything to and they'll treat you bad. And God will make sure it happens to you. 
So this scripture will come to pass. He testing you to see if you're going to rejoice and be exceeding glad. Or you're going to plot evil against them and try to defend yourself. <laughs> God shook me up one day. He told me, he said, he said, you know, when you're in charge of things and you work for me, people going to hate you. And I said, okay, what kind of lecture is this coming? He said, there's certain things you have to accept. He said, for the ministry of the watchman and the church for all nations, you're going to bear the brunt of criticism. You're going to bear the brunt of lies falsehoods he said you're going to be rejected by people that you only did good toward hello and lied on and ridiculed by them amen he said and I want you to learn how to rejoice and be exceeding glad and come to me to get healed don't sit up there and try to take it on the chin like a good soldier You come to your father and you get your healing. Amen. He says the only way you're going to survive doing what I've called you to do. Amen. And everybody who names the name of Christ will have to get used to the same thing. Amen. You know, people say just like Peter said, oh, no, Lord, I'm going with you. Cuss that girl out when she she fingered him. (laughs) She fingered him as being with Jesus. He cussed her out. As Bridget, as Bridget used to say, he tussed her out. <laughs> Amen. He tussed her out. Amen. Yeah. So we all think we're going to be loyal all the time, all the time. You don't know what the devil's got planned for you to make you somebody who's a betrayer. Amen. (laughs) We all just flesh. Amen. But you have to learn how to respond the way God wants. Because there's rejoicing in you. I don't care what happens to you. Sometimes we don't want to find it. We'll find it at some point. But there is rejoicing in you when whatever happens. We can't be circumstantial people because God isn't a circumstantial God. He's a faithful God. And he's raising up faithful people. Amen. And so Jesus begins to teach them how his blood is going to reconcile them in such a way that they are adopted by God who is in heaven. See, the the Pharisees would call themselves sons of Abraham and all that kind of stuff, trying to point toward the Father. Jesus made it real. He made it happen. Amen. Everything that God does through Jesus Christ is real. It's a real happening. Amen. You're, you will glorify your Father who is in heaven. Amen. In verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but you can lose your saltiness. You can let distractions, persecutions, all that kind of stuff, drag you away from from your salt. He says, if it's lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? 
it is good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men put light, light a candle and put it under a bushel. So you didn't get saved to go and blend in with the world again. You got saved to stand out. Well, God, you know, now the last time I stood out like you wanted me to stand out, they threw me out that church. And they said mean things to me. The pastor preached about me from the pulpit. And well, he's supposed to do some of that. You know, but then religious spirits can get on you and tear you up. Amen. And so, you know, it, it's like you want your light to shine. But you don't want it to get you in trouble. See, you want to to feel like you did what God wanted you to do. But you don't want nobody to say nothing bad to you while you're doing it. You want to get A plus all the way across the board. You ain't getting no A plus all the way across the board. You get tussed out. Huh? You get a black eye. You get put out of church. You go home and cry because you don't have a church to go to. Huh? It's just true. So he says, men don't put a light under, under, you know, you don't light a candle and put it under something. You light it so you can get light in the whole room. Amen? So you got to let your light shine. He said, let your light so shine before men that they can see your good works and then know your Father in heaven did it. That means that the Holy Spirit has to have total control. He's got to control, have control over what you say, when you say it, how you say it, who you say it to. That's when God gets the glory. Cause see, there's a way we can present things. Huh? See somebody that God heals them, you know God healed them. Oh, I prayed for, for, I prayed for, I prayed for. Huh? Glorify the Father who's in heaven. Or we'll say, I give God all the glory. After we didn't talk 15 minutes about everything we did. Huh? But see, there's relationship there. Jesus fully expected these people to have relationship with the Father such that they could do things that were known to come from God. See, whenever Jesus did whatever he did, they knew he wasn't doing it as just a man. They knew he was doing it as a man empowered by God. Amen. Matthew 5.43. Drop down there. He says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Uh But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? 
Because you want to be known as children of your father, which is in heaven. So God does that. God loves his enemies. God blesses people that, that curse at him. Amen. God does all of those things. And so when, when God begins to demand certain things of us that we think are unfair, well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they did to his son. He was sinless. You know, most people give as good as they get, you know, <laughs> until God, till God gets a hold of you some more. Amen. Go tell somebody off so quick it'll make their heads bend. <laughs> so the Father loves and forgives us and we're supposed to do the same. It says here that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? Oh, well, I wasn't thinking about reward. You better. What are you down here working for? What are you down here serving God for? Amen. He rewards people who forgive. He rewards you if you, he rewards you with forgiveness of your sins. You know, you, you'll find yourself going through doors that are so easy, you feel like a thief going through them. Huh? Do you get in the habit of forgiving quickly, automatically? Confessing your faults to God. When you find your heart getting involved in something it shouldn't be involved in. And see if your life don't get easier. So I remember being uh, uh, depressed for years. And, and shortly after I I found out I was sick, I cried out to God and, and he saved me. I was born again. But for four years I struggled. Trying to get better. Trying to be better. And God took me one day to the parable about the servant that was owed a small amount. Uh, no, no, that owed a big amount to the master. And the master, he begged the master to forgive him. The master forgave him. And, and then he ran to a guy that owed him a little bit in comparison. And he took him to court and had him thrown in jail until he paid everything back. And they were reported that to the master and the master rebuked him and, and took away his forgiveness. You see what I'm saying? And God showed me, he said, and he handed him over to the tormentors. Worry, depression, fear, anxiety. Those are tormentors. And see, I was a new Christian and God showed me that. That ain't some uh, mature Christian teaching. That's basic. And, and the Lord told me, he said, you've got to instantly forgive every. He said, you can't sit there and nurse hurt feelings. You can't sit there and demand somebody treat you a certain way or you're just going to be mad at them. He said, the devil will torment you from now until. He said, the way you get rid of that, he said, you got to give first. You've got to give the forgiveness first. Or I can't forgive you. He said, you're going to stay just like that until you learn how to forgive. And trust me, I set myself on the course. It wasn't easy every day because there are some days your friends feel sorry for me and look what they did to me and look what kind of condition I'm in and I never done nothing to nobody. Them's your friends. 
you gotta divorce your friends. Huh? You gotta quit having your tea party with Miss Woe is Me. And Miss I can't forgive nobody. And Miss You don't know how hard my life has been. And Miss You don't know how hard they were on me and still treat me bad. You know, it never stops. And it won't stop until you stop it. You see? And so I said, well, God, I, I guess I got to do. See, he taught me a lot of things being at home, just me, God, and the Bible. And see, when I got better and got around religious people, they couldn't steal it from me. Because it was already in there. And it was already working. See, that's the relationship we're all supposed to. See, I was outside of a church. And, and God taught me because that was all I had. But you're inside church and you gotta do the same thing. You gotta let God teach you even though you're under teaching. You still gotta have that relationship with God where He teaches you the things that are important for you. Cause there's some of us who have been through some things that we may need some slack cut toward us. You understand? So we can keep just reaching out to God. And God knows everybody's situation. He knows everybody's situation. But it's up to us to make sure we're doing the obedience we need to do in order to receive from the hand of God. God will bless you tremendously, give you open the windows of heaven, things that you you just never thought you'd have, and see them work. My greatest joy is when I see people in this ministry Obeying God and still here praying after all of these years. And I think this is a miracle, a work of God. All of the stuff that, that you have to go through in order to remain faithful. I have to go through the same thing. So I feel what you feel. You understand? And just to remain faithful to God. It's, it's really amazing. It's, it's something to glorify God about. Amen. It really is. It's a tremendous blessing, something that can never be taken away from you. Amen. So in, in, and so Jesus says that the Father will love and forgive us. Amen. Where are we at in 543 through 48? Yeah. He says, if, if you, if you forgive, bless when you're cursed, if you give the opposite of what's given to you from the heart of the love of God, he says, you'll be known as the children of your father, which is in heaven. And, and it's because God, God will allow people to have a good life, even though they quote unquote don't deserve it. Who really deserves it? You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, you'll find, why does he do it? Because he so loves the world. He so loves everybody. And he, he's looking for an opportunity to bring them to a point of repentance so that he can save them too. But you'll see a lot of people prosper and they're not Christians. You see a lot of them get blessed and they don't know God, nor do they serve him. And God's waiting on one of his children to begin to love on them so that the kingdom will be made manifest to them. Amen. They're in holding until we can touch them with the love of God. Instead of always wondering how they can have stuff and we can't. You understand what I'm saying? They're not our competition for anything. So the Father loves and forgives us and he expects us to do the same. Because we good children imitate their fathers. 
Amen. They imitate the Father. Matthew 6 and verse 1. He says, take heed that you don't do your alms before men to be seen. In other words, see, do good deeds before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. He says, therefore, when you do your alms, do not sound the trumpet before you. Now, this is what religious people do. They tell you. You got me? They gave this. They gave that. They did this. They they. They're fasting. They're, I'm on consecration. Pray for me. You know, all that kind of stuff. I'm thinking, shouldn't you be praying for other people? Why do you need prayer? And you, so I just shake my head. I shake the cobwebs off and keep going. He says, he says, hypocrites do that. Amen. And God does not encourage hypocrisy. And he says, this is what they do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. He said, truly, I say to you, they have their reward. So the, the, the biggest thing that you can do is wait for an open door from God to speak. Wait for an open door from God to share things with people. Allow God to give you his holy permission to speak and to share certain things. Amen. So that your father in heaven will get all the glory out of what you're doing. So your fasting will not avail you anything. Your prayers will not avail you anything if they're done before men to impress men. Amen? So God's not going to be a party to religion and to falsity and falsehood. So you're to talk directly to the Father about the things that are on your heart. And when he gives you liberty, you can begin to reveal and share some things. Amen? Okay, drop down to Matthew uh, 6, verse 15. And he says, oh, this is the Lord's prayer. Okay, so we'll start in verse 9. He says, after the manner, this manner, therefore, pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So you start out by worshiping God. Amen. That's the only way you get his attention is through worship. Give us this day our daily bread. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us every day our daily bread. In other words, this is supposed to be something you pray every day. You don't say, well, God, I'll meet you every Saturday. You give me enough for the week. They tried that with the manna. Remember some people tried to say, Moses told them, God said, pick it every day. Don't try to store it. Some of them did it anyway. And the whole house stank so you could tell who was trying to steal the manna. Too lazy to get up every day and expect God and thank God for giving them something. Amen. It's not hard to do. I had to discipline myself to, to when my eyes fly open, thank you, Lord. And, and you're on a roll after that. You get up. Thinking got something else on your mind, you're gonna have problems almost half the day until you realize you need God's help. So it's matter it just get him on on board with you first thing. Amen. Before you roll out and think anything else you gotta do, get him on board with you. Amen. Let's start addressing him as God, thanking him. He said, and forgive us our debts. Forgiveness should be an everyday request from you out of your lips. As we forgive those, and think about those people you need to forgive. That's when you take care of that. 
Amen? Well, they did something new. We'll forgive them again. You do something new every day too. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So that's like releasing your day to him. Releasing every care to him. Casting your cares on him because he cares for you. He says, if you forgive men their trespasses, then your father will forgive you. But if you don't, he won't. So this is, this is a, a must do if you want the benefit of it. Amen. It's the only real must do that you'll see in the new covenant to get the benefit of it. Because most of you know when you first started out believing God for finances, most of the stuff you got on credit. Because you wasn't giving, you wasn't praying halfway right, and you was kind of raggedy about, you know, loving people. But you had enough sense to get under the spotlight of the word of God. Father, God, forgive me. I, I forgive so-and-so. You knew how to get real humble. It's amazing how these things almost are automatic, even though we want to try to struggle over them. When I need something from God, I get so nice, you wouldn't recognize me, some of you. (laughs) I start looking for somebody to bless. I start looking for stuff in the closet to give away. I'm on the hunt for good works to do. So my father can be glorified. Amen. You look to, you know, sometimes men, you know, this, you got certain things, you know, you won't let your, your, your kids touch them. All of a sudden you want to bless everybody in the house with everything. My right, Poppy, to keep car keys you used to keep to yourself. Now you just say, you need to go take my car. Take that, take that. That's right. Cause you, you want to touch the master's hand. You want the big hand in heaven to be pouring out towards you. So everybody knows how to do that. Everybody knows how to come clean. Amen. And so he says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your father will forgive you. You find the, you find the well, uh, getting empty and dry. You know what to do. Amen. You're not, you're not ignorant of what's going on. So you forgive as your father forgives. Mark 11:23 says the same thing. You can have what you say. But when you stand praying, forgive so your father can forgive you and not hold up your blessing because of the naughty condition of your heart. Amen. And your pride and not want to humble yourself. All the nonsense we go through. He wants to cut through that so he can have real relationship with you. Amen. And um, Matthew six twenty six. 24, no man can serve two masters. He will either hate the one, love the other, or will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Amen. And that's really yourself. And, and wanting everything for yourself and being scared you ain't gonna get nothing. Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life. Oh Lord, guilty as charged. Can't even worry about what you're going to eat, drink, or wear. What kind of clothes you're going to put on. He says, your life, he said, in your life more than just material things. 
He said, the heathen go after that stuff all day long. You're better than that. You've got eternity on the inside of you. You're on your way to heaven. Act like it. If you're on the way to heaven, the things of earth are small. you got streets paved with gold waiting for you. The heathen don't have that. And he says, behold the fowls of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. Don't gather in the barns. Amen. I got a little little nest on my deck every year. Mrs. Robin comes and lays her eggs on my deck. Because when she's up, the rafters protect her little eggs from predators. So she don't pay no rent. She don't let me know when she coming. She don't let me know when she got them little blue eggs sitting up there. I see the little shells down there on the deck. I got to clean them broken shells up. You know, and I see her coming back, coming back, coming back. And then one morning I see about four little mouths. I said, oh, Lord, babies is here. Amen. It moved all. She done section aided me. Amen. <laughs> moved all her and all our babies in on me. But she ain't worried. Why? Why is she not worried? Because God led her there. She said, if God put me here, I'm here to stay. Then comes back every year. Well, he said, if the if the, a robin can do it, why can't you do that? Why can't you take no thought for where you're going to be tomorrow? Why can't you take no thought for how you're going to pay your bills? He says, you got so many bigger things that I want you to be focused on? Your neighbor who doesn't know me. The person, your co-worker, who's in a foul mood all the time. You think they don't like you. They don't, they just having a hard time. I'm, I'm gonna open the door for you to minister to them. You understand what I'm saying? He said, keep your mind on that kind of stuff. Start partnering with me in the things you're really there for. Do you not know God has has fed prophets supernaturally? If you run out of food, if your cupboards are bare, if you will give him a yet praise, you have food every day. Huh? You will have food. Trust me. You'll have a roof over your head. Trust me. He got more bigger fish for us to fry. He don't want us sweating in the small stuff. He don't want us being concerned about working just to get a new uh something clothes to wear. Amen. He can give you supernaturally best of everything. Try it sometime. Try not going to the store. Try not ordering something you think you want. Just try it. And and just begin to thank God for it. Before it gets here. Before it gets here, it'll be at your door before you even know it. Amen. So he says your father in heaven is he wants to take care of you like a good father would. He's He's got to outdo every natural father. I don't care how good a natural father you had. God is going to outdo him a, a thousand times, a thousand times. All right, why don't we quit? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us with the spirit of adoption, where we whereby we cry, Abba, Father our close heavenly father our father in divine relationship the father we can trust for everything that we need we thank you for that we bless you for it and we praise you lord 
we exalt you, Lord. We lift you up and magnify you. are worthy to be praised and adored. You're worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory in the highest. Glory in the highest. Glory in the highest. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Gloria a Dios. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord, and we praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us, keeping us, and helping us. Thank you, Lord, for giving us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. We are so honored. We're so honored, Father, that you've chosen to put your life in us. You've chosen us above all people in the earth, and we bless you. And we're going to touch everybody today with the Master's touch. Focus on something you really need from God today, whether it's in your health, uh, your finances, your job, career, whatever it is that you need. Just allow God to help you to focus on that so that you can get what He wants you to have uh, as we touch with Him. Those of you who are watching by the Internet, focus on what you desire for God to release. And just say, I receive it. Amen. When you receive the power of God, just, just tell Him that you're receiving what it is that He has for you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We'll get everybody in first. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We magnify you. We extol you, Lord, and lift you up. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Chuck in here. Let's get her in before we get started. So I don't have too much movement. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Father, I thank you. Bless your people such as I have. I give them, Father, healing in the name of Jesus by the Master's touch. in the name of Jesus. Get your hands off God's property in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for setting your people free. 
setting your people free. Misfortune and tragedy, we curse you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for good things. Good things coming into our lives from heaven. All the days of our lives in Jesus' name. All the days of our lives. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless your people. Bless your people. Bless your people with holy expectation. The expectation of God. Let it be theirs. Let it be theirs. Let it be theirs. Let it be theirs. Look for change every time you receive the anointing. Look for change. Change for the better. stripes of your son Jesus we are healed amen amen and amen it's so decreed amen praise God amen praise God 